Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in the beautiful Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer yet again another week. Amen? That's good. God is so faithful to us. Praise God. I'm so thankful. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord, right? What is it, that song? There's joy in the house of the Lord. I feel joyful. Oh, yeah. I feel good. I'm working on it. You're working on it? I'm working on We're it. We're going to have to deliver you. We'll I give you some joy. Sp- little splurts. Receive joy! Splurts. Amen. So welcome, everybody. Thanks for being here. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, <clears throat> please go to YouTube and subscribe there. I'll tell you what, we're getting more and more subscribers, more and more views. It's interesting. You know, a little bit of uptick on, we need some on, feedback. on the YouTube is good. We need some feedback. Uh, Facebook as well, a little bit, little bit of action there. Most of our action happens on the audio only. So I guess I should say this. I should say thank you to those of you that listen to the podcast on audio. So faithful. Like so much, I mean, it's good. I would say most of the the interaction that we have is with people that are listening to the podcast on audio, at least as far as I can tell. You know, sometimes it's hard to parse through all the data and figure all that out, but right. but it's been good. So praise God. Thank you to all of you. Um, make sure you also ring that bell so you get notifications when we post new content. Really, at the moment, we only do like one or two videos a week. You know, yeah, usually one. Um, and it's it's this Bible study that we're doing. Praise God. So. Um, we are in Matthew chapter 20. Uh, last week we did 20 uh, verses 1 through 19, which was the parable of the vineyard workers, right? And yeah. then Jesus predicts his death a third time. Good, sir. Right? And then so today we're going to get, we're, we're, we're running a theme, right? And so we're going to get into the mother of James and John makes a request. We're going to start in uh, verse 20. Right, I'll read. Verses 20 through 28. Oh, you're going to read? Okay. I'm going to read, then you can just interject. Sure. And jump right in here. All right, Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. Here we are, the public reading of scriptures. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Mm. Oh, they say unto him, We are able. We can do this. And he saith unto them, Oh, you shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on... My left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. So I'm not in charge of the seating arrangements. That's basically what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Verse 24. And when the ten heard it, boy, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. Like, how dare she? How dare they? But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. 
but it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be your chief among you, let him be your servant. Lastly, verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Amen. So we've got a theme all the way from chapter 19 so far, right? We've come from the rich young ruler asking, how does one inherit eternal life? And so he tells them, and then uh, Peter and the disciples come to Jesus like, well, then who can be saved? You know, if, if you know, you have to do this, like what, what is, what is the, how does this work, right? And then Peter reminds Jesus that he'd given up everything. And so what does he get? And Jesus makes him some promises that are really good promises. He even expands those promises to anybody that does these things, right? That gives up things in the name of Jesus for the cause of Jesus. Amen? And says that they'll receive a hundredfold. Then we get into the parable of the vineyard workers. And in both cases, he says, the first will be last, the last will be first. Or many who are first will be last, and many, many last will be first. Right. Right? Um, and so we go on and we keep going. And then now we get to this part where, well, since rewards are being given out, maybe yeah. there's an opportunity there's here yeah. for uh, Salome, the mother of James and John, to come in here and get something. So we'll start here with the first verse, uh, first two verses, I should say. It says, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain <laughs> thing of him. And he said unto her, what wilt thou? What do you want? What? How may I help you? Right? How may I help you today? And this is obviously the first half of verse 21. And so Salome was uh, not only the mother of the sons of Zebedee, she was also, in all probability, the sister of Mary, Jesus' mother. And we get this from James, I'm sorry, from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 25, which we're going to come to that. I want you to read that. So that James and John were, in fact, Jesus' cousins. She was among the women who stayed with Jesus at the cross and later witnessed the empty tomb with her sons. So we don't hear a ton about Salome, right? But she's definitely there. She's part of the oh, yeah. women that followed Jesus and his entourage. So what does uh, chapter 19, verse 25 in the book of John say? This is very interesting. Okay. This is where we get it. Yeah. <laughs> I think. It says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother... And his mother's sister, Mary, right? Yeah. The wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. So Salome, is her name Mary? Is that where we get that from? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. So anyways, this comes from, what is this, the ESV commentary? Well, it says where Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister. Mother's sister. Oh, and then Mary, Mary the, wife the wife of, of Cleophas. Cleophas yeah. as, a, as a third. Yeah, so there's four women. Zebedee wouldn't make sense for Cleophas. So there's yeah. four women there. Right. So Got mother's sister. Got it. Okay. All right. And his mother's I'm sister. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. No, that's cool. See, I never even thought of that. I always thought just, this is just a good Jewish mother. This isn't his aunt, right? This is a good Jewish mother coming in to uh, put her son's in the best position possible, right. which is which is good, right? I mean, every parent should be trying to help their children get a leg up in life, right? I mean, that's that's part of our responsibility as parents. So, number two, what was the mother of James and John's request from Yeshua? She said, uh, "Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom." So I like this because it seems to me that she recognizes who he is. And the fact that he's got a kingdom, right? right? That he's the king. 
And so Salome's petition was likely inspired by Jesus' remarks in Matthew 19, 28, which is where he says, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you, will ha- you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes right. of Israel. So this is a promise that was made. And so she sees this and his, or she hears his comment. And so he had announced this 12, um, 12 tribe rulership, right? right. These, these 12 thrones that the, dis- the 12 disciples will get to sit on in the kingdom. And so Salome shows respect to Jesus, but she also evidently hopes to use her and her son's earthly kinship with Jesus to her son's advantage. So, um, again, that's assuming that they are, in fact, cousins, yeah. which it based on what we just read, yeah, it seems I mean, we'll like see. it's probably yeah, the we'll case. We'll do a little more research, yeah. Confirm that. Yep. And I think it's cool because, you know, it's a family affair. You know, these are in Jesus' family. And then it makes me even think higher of Peter, right? Because if James right. and John make it in, they were his cousins, you know, but Peter not being related to Jesus makes it in, you know, yeah. at the same time because he comes to call Peter. But That's then true. Maybe he sees his cousins over there. And he's like, "Oh, geez, I just called Peter right in front of my cousins." All right, come on, guys. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that worked Who that knows, way or not. Right? No, but James and John were part of the part of the three, right? Peter, James, right. and John were the the close in the inner circle. That's right. So then, uh, verse twenty-two, the first part of the verse says, "But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of, and to be baptized with the baptize, baptism that I will be? I am baptized with." Boy, sometimes the King James can be yeah. know, a little tongue twister. And so what was the response from James and John to that question? Well, they said, uh, they said we are able. Are you able to drink from this cup? They said, we are able. So did you notice they didn't say what's in the cup? Yeah, I know. <laughs> we are able. So I, th- I think it's interesting that uh, if I look at this, um, in Matthew chapter 26, verses 27 through 29, uh, Yeshua took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So Hallelujah. he's setting the precedence for the cup of suffering. And he's saying, Hey, listen, you're going to be drinking from this cup too until I get back, until we have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then, of course, then I will drink from this cup. Yeah. So they said we are able. So you sure? Just right. Because even at the Passover, sor- the Passover, the Passover Seder, the cup of affliction, right, turns right. into what? The cup of praise? Is that is that what it's called? No. Yeah, it has to turn into praise. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so they say we are able now in Scripture. Uh, the cup is symbolic of one's divinely determined destiny. And this can go both ways, whether blessing, which you can see an example of that in I Psalm 16.5. I can read that. 16, uh, Psalm 16.5. Yeah. So this would be the example of blessing in the blessing. cup. Blessing? Yep. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance, and of my cup thou maintainest my lot. See, for me immediately I thought Psalm 23, my cup runneth over. My part, yeah. You know? Uh, and so, or it could be disaster, which we find in Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 15. I'll look at that. Yeah, let's look. Jeremiah what? Twenty five fifteen. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel unto me, Take the wine cup of this fury at my hand, and cause all the nations to whom I send thee to drink it. Oof. 
So wow. this would be an example of disaster where there's a, a looming disaster. So again, the cup in Scripture is symbolic of one's divinely determined destiny. So we have one more reference, or two more references, sorry. The first one is uh, salvation, which we can find in Psalm uh, chapter 116, verse 13. I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So, wow. so this is, again, divine destiny, something, a gift from God or, or something that's bestowed from God. And so the last one is wrath, which you can find um, in Isaiah. And this is Isaiah chapter 51, verse 17. Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, which has drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of his fury. Thou hast drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling and wrung them out. That's right. And so in this case, you know, just as a reminder, right, uh, he says, you know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? And so he's obviously referring here to his forthcoming suffering. Um, And I think that that's obvious to everyone that reads it, that knows the story, that Jesus obviously is going to be, you know, beaten, you know, just absolutely just his body being ravaged by the Romans and then crucified. And then, I mean, just not good, right? That's right. And so there's clearly going to be a, a scourging that happens to Jesus, and he's saying that to these disciples, you don't know what you ask. But here is what he ends up responding to them and saying. And this is found in chapter 20, verse 23 here in Matthew. It says, And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. So it's interesting because, um, you know, they give, Jesus gives the, the insight of the 12 tribes and the 12 thrones that they'll sit on to judge the 12 tribes of Israel and the authority that they yeah. will have. So he knows about that, Yeshua, and is able to tell them about it. But then there's a piece of it that the father kind of keeps to the vest, right? He holds it close to the vest, this blessing of sitting on his right hand and on his left. Um, and he says that this is not mine to give. Uh, but if I had to put this into like modern English myself, they say, oh, we can, we can drink of that cup. Absolutely. Your cup? Oh, we can drink of that cup. And he says, oh, you're going to drink of my cup. <laughs> that was a good point. I was just <laughs> reflecting on that as I was sitting here like, really? Ooh. Things aren't going your way. That's right. Drinking from the cup. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, it's interesting because you get the impression from like Paul's letters that it is, and even the other epistles, that it is a joy, right, to partake in the suffering that Jesus has, has partaken in, right, has participated. You know, getting back to this whole cup of wrath, cup of fury, Yeah, it was brought to my remembrance uh, in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I will say one through three. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling Mm. unto all the people round about when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people, all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. 
though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Now, a cup of trembling is actually a, a reeling from intoxication. It's a cup of poison. Ooh. If you interfere with Jerusalem, it's like taking poison back to your nation. You're going to drink from that cup. Boy, and we see that, don't we? And that's what it says, slumber or poison right there. Now, did, there was something that happened. Biden did something recently, and then we got hit with Hurricane Ian, right? There was something. I forget what it was. There was some, it was like, remember Australia pulled their, they said that we're not going to have Jer- recognized right. Jerusalem and um, in the United States. I forget what it was. Something. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's not good. It's not good. It's He's not like, good. We're going to pay for abortions for you to go to another state and. Oh, that came geez. out of his mouth. Jeez Louise. You got people running for office saying, you know, abortion's not a crime. What's wrong with these people? Rape is a crime, but abortion's not a crime. And that's their platform. Oh, In yeah. your face. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I'm no, not just, mentioning any names. The person running against Governor DeSantis. Yeah. His name is Charlie Crist. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, I'm no. I'm sorry. This person is running against Marco Rubio. Oh, that would be Val Demings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you said it, not me. I did. I have no problem. Can you believe that? <clears throat> I, Abortion I, is not a crime. Well, you know, it's funny. I wow. think the more that the world turns into this thing, you know, I was just reading this morning, uh, if you have your daily bread journal that I mentioned, remember this? Um, comes from REL Media, which is uh, Lars and Harriet Anderson uh, and their ministry. Uh, I was reading this morning in Genesis chapter, what is it, 19, where the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what I was reading about. It does. And I just, I can't for the life of me understand why, 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 when we have so much of, like so much empirical evidence from the past showing us what is it that a society does before it's destroyed, right? Why is it that we continue to walk the path? Why do it? And I, I don't, the I, only thing I can think of is that there are people that uh, have ill intentions that are kind of pushing it down, and then there's useful idiots that carry the ball for them, you know? Interesting. Just sad, so really. Where we so we're here. So we talked about that you will be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. And so this is actually the Greek word baptizo, and it means to be whelmed, i.e. fully wet. Uh, I didn't know that whelmed meant wet. I know, whelmed. Well, because you think you hear the word overwhelmed is what we generally say, and it's really using that metaphorically, right? Right, because that'd be like water over your head. So it's used only in the New Testament, uh, and it refers to a, of a ceremonial ablution. Now, this is an SAT word. You're going to need to Google it, but it means what you think it means. Yeah, basically, bap, you know, baptism. <laughs> baptizo is totally immersed. Right. Not one hair sticking out. Right. 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 Exactly right. And so what was the response of the ten that heard what Yeshua said? Uh, or what when they heard what the whole... And they watched this whole situation go down. What was their response? It was not pleasant. Um, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. They were mad at the brothers. Right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're clearly trying to put themselves over them. You know? You know... Um, what comes to my mind is you can read some more commentary and, and go down the line here. Um, Joseph's brothers were jealous of him. Oh, yeah. Genesis thirty-seven eleven. And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. So they knew that he was the favorite and this and that. He got this coat and he's had these dreams. And we're going to bow down and we're like stars and you're the sun. 
But uh, yeah, that was some some serious envy going on among his. Now, what's interesting is that it says the question is, what was the response of the ten? Yeah. So check this out. I have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin. Interesting. Ten. Yeah, because uh, Benjamin. Well, Benjamin wasn't born yet. Or maybe he was. Maybe he was mad. I don't think he was mad, though, because he'd be too young, right? I'm saying he was probably jealous, too. Yeah. Are we missing one? Well, no, because there's 12, right? There's 12. Well, I mean, if you take so Joseph we wouldn't, out. We, we wouldn't include Benjamin in that, right? Yeah, because 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Benjamin would be 10, yeah. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. He would be 11. Yeah, but you want to count Joseph. That's Dina, the the daughter. Oh, Dina. So, but anyway, I just threw, threw something out there. There's twelve sons, right? I'm trying to think of where you're missing somebody. It's okay. I mean, Wait we don't even find it. But no, there's jo- definitely no. Benjamin's already born. He may be born, but he's born. Yeah. He, what he I'm is. saying is that Joseph and Benjamin would be off, and then you'd have. Well, yeah, but he could be jealous of Joseph too. I'm just saying. Yeah, but then, a that's, a, then that's eleven jo- you're that the are big jealous. Brother. One. No, no, no. Because there's twelve brothers. There's obviously twelve brothers. <laughs> We're missing one. There's 13 total, including Dina. Am I missing? Yeah. Who did I miss? I don't know. Now I gotta go back. I don't know. I gotta. I gotta. Here, let me look at your list, and maybe I can spot it. Let uh, me call them out. Yeah, right, yeah, you ready? Yeah. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin. We're missing Asher. You're missing Asher on your list. See. See. I don't know how I did that. I am. Ha! Very good, Ryan. Yeah. Good eye, buddy. Right so, after Gad. So then if you think about it. It's Asher. Then you think about it. Then you put these 10 against uh, Joseph and Benjamin. Okay. The sons now of that Rachel, template works. The sons of Rachel. You helped me with that. Thank you. That's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Right. Yeah. And, then, and then there's the, two that are it, set aside. Isn't that parallel? I never saw that. Uh, the 10. That's interesting. We're mad at the two. Because I doubt Benjamin was involved in throwing him in the pit. No, or no, that. but that's a good point that those ten were like, they weren't. I don't think he knew anything about it. No, they weren't from Rachel. That's what so I mean. There yeah, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. All right, let's proceed. This has been quite a, yeah. quite a controversy. You've seen it first here, folks. <laughs> and they say the Bible's not fun. Downloads. The Bible's not fun. Uh, so here's a little note. It says, the, t- the other ten disciples were perhaps not as upset by the immodesty of the request as by the brothers' attempt to use their family relationship to Jesus to gain an unfair advantage in obtaining what they themselves also wanted. Here's what I want to understand here. Okay, We just had chapter 19, <coughs> and then we had chapter 20, yeah, and then we had the first half of, well, yeah, and the first half of chapter 20, sorry. Who is it that didn't listen to the whole first will be last, last will be first speech that's been given twice now? Right? I, like, I are, are we missing? I'm, I'm telling you. I'm learning so much right now just talking about this. <laughs> Thoughts are just running through my mind right now. Like, just having a cup of, a, you know, of suffering. Ugh, no. Just saying, hey, you know, what are you, what are you grumbling about? Yeah. You said you drink from the cup. Yeah. What are you moaning and groaning about? Yeah. Oh, you got some circumstances? Here's the cup. I yeah. always get a silver cup at my, at my Sabbath table. I have my silver cup. Really? I always get the silver cup. I got one of those things in Israel when we were there this time that has a little pewter, you know, thing. You pour it in and it like pours. No, the that's kind of cool. that's cool too. So everybody gets a little, little Everybody cup. knows Papa gets the, you know, Abba gets the, he gets that silver cup. Silver cup. Is it made out of like it's metal? A, it's, it's silver. Yeah, it's a silver cup. Really? Um, yeah. Every Shabbat I drink out of that. 
It's great, too. It keeps it cold. Yeah, I bet. Uh, the silver yeah, cup. The silver cup. Man. So I was just sitting at this table thinking. It's like royalty. You know, like for those of you that are listening right now. Is that the one that Benjamin stole? Get a silver cup and just <laughs> carry it and say, I said I would drink from this. So I'm going to drink from it, and yeah. i got to deal with it. I like that. I like that. The yeah. God, he really ministered to me. You remember that scene in... Uh, uh, what is it? It's not Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's the Holy Grail. Indiana Jones, the Holy Grail. And so they're they're looking at all the different cups that are on the table, and they got to choose. Well, which one is the cup? Yeah, you better choose the one that's made out of wood. Right, right. Was was a a, this is a carpenter's cup, yeah. and I'm like, ah, he figured yeah. it out. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny. All right, can I can I move on? Yes, you can. Let's. Why don't you take it at number seven? Huh? Yeah, I mean we're almost done here. There this is go. incredible. Now here's where we kind of shift gears a little bit, which we is do. what I really like. Number You're 25. jockeying for position. You want a parking spot, Pastor Nick? It says here in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. So, my example is Yeshua was a servant. I mean, he washed the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. That's powerful. Yeah. And so, Jesus described leadership from a new perspective. Instead of using people, we are to serve them. Jesus' mission was to serve others and to give his life away. A real leader has a servant's heart. Servant leaders appreciate others' worth and realize that they're not above any job. In your family, community, workplace, or church, remember the disciples' lesson. Seek to serve, not to be served. If you see something that needs to be done, don't wait to be asked. Take the initiative and do it like a faithful servant. I put a note next to this, church propaganda. Sounds like church propaganda. (laughs) The word ransom is the Greek word lutron, uh, and it means something to loosen, i.e. a redemption price, uh, figurative, or, and then, of course, atonement. I'm pretty sure that's also a brand lutron. of light switch, lutron. I'm not we, positive on that. Did we forget a Greek word? Did you try to pronounce a Greek word earlier? Not yet. It's on the next page. The Schmackenexia Meiser murder. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. So, you know, here he is. He's saying, you know, give his life a ransom for many. Yeah. You know, give 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 his life a ransom. He was a ransom. So right, ransom is payment to get somebody back, right? You know. So I, what, we always think of it like the Colombian drug lords kidnapped your, you know, whoever your kid, right. and so we pay a ransom to get them back. So let's get this straight, okay? Let's just share the gospel. Let's share the good news about a, a holy, loving God who's a creator. It just boggles my mind that God created us. He knew we weren't perfect, but he wanted us to attain to holiness, clean hands, pure heart. Who will ascend into the hill of the Lord? And we dropped the ball. We really failed miserably. There's no one good, no, not one. There's no one that even seeks after God, no, not one. We have fallen short of the glory of God. But he became a ransom. Yeah. How can we not love that God? Yeah. I'm just saying, coming from him, all things is holy and good, and he knows no sin, no fault. He's perfect. He's a perfect God. He's not... You know, an egomaniac, you know, he's not, you know, one to indulge 
in sexual immorality like the Greek gods, you know, to appear as something, then appear as something else, whatever, deceptive. But he is holy and good and true and majestic. And here he is. Yeshua says, I'm going to be a ransom. So a greater choice can you make than to accept the ransom of Christ for us? That's why I I always ask people, like, what else did you want him to do? Like, what more can he do? Seriously. Like, he gave his whole life for you. I mean, if God is holy and his attributes are that, then there are qualifications to be with him. Sure. So we can't sit here and think, well, nobody's perfect. There's no perfect God. There's no perfect world. No, there is a perfect God. That's right. And he's going to be taking us to an incredible perfect world one day. That'll be cool. I mean, I just... I just can't even imagine. I mean, that's the substance of our hope, right? That's that, that someday, right, we'll be go- entering into that kingdom. But the, going on, just let me do this, and then I'll turn it over to you. But a ransom was the price paid to release a slave from bondage. Jesus often told his disciples that he must die. But here he told them why. To redeem all people from the bondage of sin and death, the disciples thought that as long as Jesus was alive, he could save them. But Jesus revealed that only his death would save them in the world. And that's Matthew chapter yeah, 20, paradigm verse 28. Shift. Yeah. So then I guess I the big question is, why is it important to be a servant leader and not just a leader? You know, um, and there's a couple things to think about here. But, you know, Jesus in the last section or the last couple of verses in uh, verse 25 talks about how the princes or the leaders of the Gentiles, right, exercise dominion over them and uh, and then are... Uh, the great exercise authority upon them, and that uh, it shouldn't be that way among us. And I think what they're referring to is everybody's been in a position where they've been under a leader that would just basically point and say, do this, do that, and they would do things. Everything was at their pleasure, right? It was this attitude of, I'm above you, you do as I say, right? And then there's the whole rules for thee but not for me thing that we have between, you know, different what we considered classes of people. And this is where Yeshua is saying that that's not the system that I came to bring in my kingdom. In my kingdom, if you are the great leader, then you should be thinking of this from a servant standpoint. You as a leader are serving the people that you're leading. Leadership is a service. Um, It is a service that you render. It is not a position that you hold. And many times I can think of times where like, uh, leadership is a, a thing that people don't even want, right? I don't want to lead the charge into battle, <laughs> right? Um, you know, or who wants to be the leader of the custodian team that has to do all the cleaning, you know, some things like that. So you think of where there's times where things need to get done and that leadership position is really a servant position. Right. Um, but it, it should be that way in all leadership positions where the people that are being that our people are leading see that they are the servant, servant leader of the people that are being led. So what's the question? Well, the, the question, discussion? I already did that. That's what was my answer to it. I was waiting. Oh. Now, now it's your turn. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I, I get you. Yeah, okay. I see that. Um, you lead by example. Yeah. A servant leader not only serves others, but other leaders as well. That's right. So if someone's over a ministry team and you come alongside, you support them. If yeah. they come into your lane, your ministry, then they support you. Right. That's all it is. Right. I also liked um, the idea that, you know, Jesus obviously was a servant leader, and then this is, he, we're supposed to be followers of him, so then we should be servant leaders. That's how we should do things. Um, this is groundbreaking stuff. I mean, this is, it's funny because his teachings, 
even though maybe they don't know it, are being used in corporate America all over the world, you know? It's like, ha-ha, gotcha. Looks like in the military, the officers are out front. Yeah, yeah. To some degree? To some degree. Yeah. You want to go ahead and uh, Yeshua heals two blind men? You want to read? Yeah, I'll read chapter uh, 20, verses 29 through 34. This is the end of the chapter. And says, is that New King James? This is New King New James. King James. It even has old. that New King James smell. Yeah. So it says, uh, Now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? How may I help you? Then said to him, they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Wow. That's pretty good stuff, man. That's good. Yeah, it is. It is good. So, uh, all right, take it from here, number eight. So, so what happened as they departed from Jericho? A great multitude followed them. It's interesting, you know, that Jericho was the tithe city that they took first, you know. Right. And so they weren't supposed to keep anything. Right. It was for the Lord. And then Achan, poor Achan. But, but the thing is, uh, even now the Palestinians control Jericho. Yep. Very interesting. So we have Matthew twenty thirty, and behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside when they heard that Jesus passed by cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. I just think about that song. Blind man stood by the road and he cried. Blind man stood by the road and he cried. Never heard it. Blind man stood by the road and he cried, saying, Ho, 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 show me the way. Show me the way. Show me the way. The way to our God. Yeah, yeah. That was good, man. That was good. I'd never heard that song, though. Yeah. Must be a... I probably got the words a little changed up, but that's all right. Must be an oldie. It is. It's really a powerful (laughs) one. It's like, put your hand in the... You know, but we're not going to go there. This is not Nick by the campfire. No. Okay. The blind men called Jesus son of David. Yes. Because the Jews knew that the Messiah would be a descendant of David. Which is... Isaiah... Look up Isaiah 9... Verses 6 and 7. Let's, right. go, let's go on. I Isaiah. mean, this is a promise made to David. But this is what we want to establish here. The son of David, the Davidic covenant. The Messiah would come from David. Isaiah, that's in the Old Testament? Yes, the major prophet. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. So many chapters. He's a prolific writer. Yes, <laughs> statesman. All right, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That's just 6 and 7? That's powerful. The zeal of the Lord that's of hosts. Just, uh, all of that is will two verses. Perform this. And David's yes. mentioned. That's right. And here we are at midterms today. And in it our, was a blood moon. Our, so let, how about uh, Isaiah 11.1? 1? 
Isaiah 11.1. 1. Yeah, I like these references, just so we too. can have at least two or three. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord... Sh- oh, was I supposed to... No, then we're good. That's it. Now, now let's go to Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6 for our last one. Jeremiah 23? Yeah, verses 5 and 6. Ooh. All right, and it says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell in safety. Now this is his name by which he will be called. Wow. So these blind beggars, they could see that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, while the religious leaders who witnessed Jesus' miracles were blind to his identity, refusing to open their eyes to the truth. Seeing with your eyes doesn't guarantee seeing with your heart. So what did Yeshua ask the two blind men as he stood still and called them? Uh, what can I do for you? He said, what will ye that I shall do unto you? Oh, their response was, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Mm. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Matthew chapter 20, verse 34. They could literally follow him now because they could see where he's going. You know, I asked the question to myself in, in our group last night. I just asked, uh, you ever pray for that, Lord? You know, let my eyes be open. Like, you know, you think of like Elisha, right? Or Elijah, sorry, in the... Servant uh, didn't see what he saw. Correct. Yeah. And then, and so that was a cool, cool example where like when you have spiritual eyes, you could see the army of the Lord of hosts getting ready to decimate your enemies, uh, which is, that's pretty encouraging. But it's funny because... Uh, Somebody piped up kind of with a comment. like, nah, usually we pray for others to have their eyes open, right? Because we do. You're like, oh, Lord, open their eyes. <laughs> Let them have eyes to see. But how often do we really pray for us to have eyes to see? We, we need eyes open to see Open our right eyes, now, you Lord. Know. The word compassion is the Greek word splagnisome or splagnisomai. And it means to have the bowels yearn figuratively, to feel sympathy, to pity. Yeshua actually touched their eyes with his hands. And that is personal. It's personal. It's a, he touched them. He did. He touched them, man. I was like, whoa. He really, he did a good job on that. And so we reflect on, remember when we first got saved and was blind, but Yeshua let us see, and now we follow him. Yeah. Wow. Right. And we could see physically, but not spiritually. Sure. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I do. I find, um, I find that we should all be thinking about compassion on a daily basis. Um, so many times I think we want compassion, but we don't want to give compassion. Everybody wants to receive it. But it's it can be sometimes difficult to look at things with compassion. It's compassion that compels action, right? I mean, I think a lot of people are like, oh, they have like a pity, like a maybe a mellow. I like to try to look out over the congregation and, and look at countenance. If I see someone kind of with their head kind of down, I kind of come up, put my hand on their shoulder and say, how are you? Mm. Is everything okay? Can I do something for you? Yeah. And they'll share or they'll tell me a story or their need. Yeah. But that's probably one of the best things you ever ask somebody. Is there something I can do for you? Sure. And then hopefully you can do it. Yeah. Awesome. So then what two points can be learned? I'll discuss why it is so important oh. to show compassion and empathy for those that come into our life. Why is it so important for that? Yeah. Because Jesus did it. In Matthew twenty five forty, it's the Olivet Discourse. It is 
much as you have done it unto one of the least of these, mm-hmm. my brethren, you have done it unto me. Amen. So, you know, don't think less of anyone, you know, and just treat them with respect and, and you know, honor your neighbor, you know, public sector of life, open doors for people and different things, you know. Um, wow. Nice little rain coming down. Yeah, I got a little rain. Praise God. So, yeah, so I got that on there. It's, it's so important to show empathy and compassion, you know. Yeah. That's when we got to really recharge our batteries, you know. Yeshua went to lonely places. Yeah. And so he would recharge himself. And I think that's what I'm learning to do. I got to recharge my batteries for the next service, for the next opportunity to sure. show empathy, you know. Yeah. It's like I'll get a phone call and I'll just let it rain, go to voicemail. And I'm just, I'm tired and something's going on. I just sure. don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And then a few moments later, later on, down the road a little bit, I go ahead and check the voicemail. And I go, oh, okay, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes he'll be like, no, you need to get this. Or he'll be like, no, go ahead and let it go to voicemail. But I need you to check this. Hmm. And so, you know, we go through those seasons. And I'm glad I did because that's, that's what I normally try to do. Sure. If I turn my ringer off, I don't know till later. Because you got to get rest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This thing's gotta unplug. beeping and bopping oh, yeah. and vibrating it. Tell me about it. Yeah, and it's I like, if I turn my ringer off at night. Yeah. I hear you. That's why Jesus, he went to lonely places <clears throat> to get away from everybody, you know? The oh, crowds yeah. were after him. Boy, I tell you. All right, so now, what two points can be learned from Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 34? What you got? I, I'm still kind of thinking about that. All right, what, I can what, give you mine. What, what do you have? Because I'm... All right, so uh, my first one is even the blind men could see that Jesus is the Messiah, right? Well, I'm just saying. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty good. Even the blind, because I mean, even in your in your little comments here uh, on the example, it says, um, "Well, uh, where was it that I saw that it said, oh, the blind beggars could see that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, while the religious le- leaders who witnessed Jesus' miracles were blind.'" to his identity. So it's just the people that had eyes, you know, that physically could see were blind. And the people that had physical blindness could see. Wow. You know, and it's just what a what a little dichotomy there, a little um, ironic moment. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and that's one of the points that I got out of it, that uh, Yeshua is the promised son of David. He came, and he will come again, just as he promised. And that that is our blessed hope that he will come and he will set up his kingdom and that we are awaiting the son of David to come and set up his kingdom. And his kingdom is not of this world, right? It's not the same type of kingdom as this world system, but it's flipped on its head where the leaders are servants. Amen? And I just, I think it's something that we can work at being a citizen of today with the hope that it's coming soon. And that's good, you know. Oh, Yeshua, Bo. I was just thinking if I had to really think about this, you know, we just had a guest here, Dr. Buddy Bell, mm-hmm. and his wife Kathy. Over forty years of experience in ministry and everything on the yep. Ministry of Helps. And yeah, check out I was Buddy just, Bell. That um, was good stuff. He really brought out some good points. He was talking about, you know, when you're a pastor, you appoint your elders. You know, it's your job. Right. The elders don't appoint the pastor. Interesting. Yeah. So, so it, it goes with this, you know, in, in number one. Uh, Number one point, God exalts and God brings down. Yeah. So if you're jockeying for a position, you know, it talks about, I won't get into all of it. I don't know where it is exactly in the Bible, but it talks about 
hey, you know, if you're if you're sitting in the front, you might be asked to go to the back. But if you're sitting in the back, right. you might be asked to go to the front. Right. Like Dr. Buddy Bell. Sure. Come on to the front row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I, I've learned that don't try to jockey for position. I am entitled to this. I'm entitled to that. Can your mother do it for you? It doesn't it doesn't work that way. She can help. <laughs> in Psalm seventy five verse seven, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Huh. Huh. Matthew sixteen twenty seven. He shall reward every man according to his works. Romans two six. Who will render to every man according to his deeds. Mm. So mm-hmm. if you're mm-hmm. doing the kingdom work, if you're doing what God wants you to do, he will exalt you, he will bring right. you along, and he will provide. He'll do some incredible things. Well, have faith. Yeah, and then that's number one, of course, you know, God exalts and God brings on. Number two, lead your life as an example for others to follow. Mm-hmm. So like when I'm sitting on the front row with my kids, I'm setting an example. Yes. Because people would say, well, my kids can't sit still. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, the service is too long. Ooh. I mean, these are all the things I hear. I mean, people yeah. are very honest nowadays. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, you see me on my front row with my girls and. Yep. I mean, I'm just telling you, you know, all ages. So that's that's my two. I, I can my, just drop the I, mic. I had that. one other. Okay. That I didn't do. And that was that you have to have the heart of a servant to be a good leader. Uh, good leaders, right? Serve. Period. Wow. And I think that there's not necessarily enough of that, you know. Your people need to know that you are there to serve them and care for them. Lead by example. Amen. So why don't you pray us out? Oh, yes. Thank you. Oh, man. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to pray out this podcast, this this video, Father, this excellent set of scriptures in Matthew. We thank you, Father, for thank allowing you, us Lord. to be servant leaders, to to pace ourselves, to refresh ourselves, to get rest, but also to have enough um, enough maturity to serve one another and respect one another. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity you've given us in this word to learn these examples, to be servant leaders, and that uh, the only position we want, Father, is on our face. We want to be at your feet. And uh, you will position us, you will bring us to before kings and queens and dignitaries because we are your ambassadors. And so, Father, we just thank you for allowing us to be the example that we need to be in this community. We lift up Beit Tehila to you right now, Father, and we just uh, thank you for your, for your provision and your protection and your healing for those that are under the weather, for the change of seasons and things. Uh, many of the afflictions of the righteous, but you deliver them out of them all. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow, awesome. Well, listen, if you've made it this far, I hope you've been blessed. What a blessing it is for us, for you to make it this far. Uh, Make sure you like and subscribe, share, do all that good stuff for us. Um, You definitely need to get into the word so that the word can get into you. Wash yourself in the water of the word. I recommend uh, studying these verses uh, over again on your own. I recommend getting the Daily Bread Journal. Um, these daily bread journals. Yes, yeah, see, we both have them. Look at that. I'm caught up. Yeah, me too. And um, you know, it, it's it's worth it to have something where you're getting into the word every day, uh, not just listening to our our podcast. Amen. So, bless you guys. Have a great week.